was the explosion of women surfing probably about 1994-95. I started surfing in 1986, um, just always wanted to surf but didn't know anyone that surfed. And at that time there weren't surf schools or um, surf camps where you could go and you know learn how. You really had to know somebody. Um, there weren't places to rent boards either. So I was finally given a board, taught myself to surf in San Francisco at Ocean Beach. Um, but I was really the only woman that I knew in that area that was surfing. There was definitely a handful down in Santa Cruz, which is about an hour and a half south of me. But I rarely saw a woman in the water where I lived. And it was probably about 93, 94, I started seeing this trickle. And by the end of 94, it was, the trickle turned into a huge number of women. It was amazing. All of a sudden, I was joined by sometimes as much as 40 or 50% of the people in the water were women. And that's definitely the case today. It's pretty even. Yeah. When I first started surfing, guys were a little taken aback uh, by me being in the water, especially at Ocean Beach. It's definitely more of a mar macho spot. It's a pretty hard place to surf. Um, there, there'll be times when you paddle out and you, you don't even get past uh, to the waves before they're breaking. It's so hard. You just get beaten down and have to go back in and that's it for the day. Um, and I think they were really concerned that I was gonna be a danger to them and myself included. And probably they were right. I, I didn't know what I was doing um, when I got out there. It was just, there's a wave and it's the one closest to my house. And they were, some of them were uh, discouraging and said, you know, comments, but most of them were pretty supportive. Um, the board that I was given um, turned out to be probably the worst board you could ever learn on. It was a long board that had been recut probably in the early 70s into a, a what's called a minigun, which is uh, very narrow and pointy. But I actually managed to st uh, stand on it and, and get up. But when I brought it to the local surf shop in San Francisco and you know, proudly showed them my new board, they all started laughing. <laughs> I was mortified. It was just all these guys hanging around drinking beer, talking stories. But at the same time, as much as they made fun of me for the first five minutes, they actually took me under their wing and called a friend of theirs up and said, this poor woman has this terrible surfboard, can you help her? And they drove me over to his house and he literally opened up his garage door and asked, said I could pick out any board I wanted and gave it to me. So that was the, the flip side of it, you know, being one of the few women and, and a woman that actually stuck it out um, I think earned, earned their respect. Great. Now I don't. I don't have any problem. Well, I grew up in California, um, in the Bay Area. Always been a water kid. I was one of those kids that um, mom, you know, divorced mom, three kids, no money, took us to the beach. It was a cheap way to keep us entertained for a few hours and give her some peace. And I was also the kid that you know was purple and shaking. But then when your mom starts pulling you out. You know, you start screaming because you don't want to get out of the water. So I was, I was a total fish. Um, but again, I did, I wanted to surf, but I didn't know how really to go about it. And when I was given this board when I was 22, that's when I had my chance. And, and literally, the, the next day, I brought it down to the beach and tried it out, and it was magic. Well, it's funny that I started learning. I, I learned to surf at Ocean Beach but I turned into basically a chicken of the sea and only like to surf small waves. Um, because Ocean Beach is certainly not known for being small or easy places.
place to surf. And I was actually much more comfortable in bigger surf when I first started. And probably uh, the second year I was surfing, I had an incident where I almost drowned that pretty much put me off um, surfing bigger waves. For, up to this day, I've been surfing for 21 years now. Um, I don't like to be really scared, to be honest with you. I just, I don't enjoy it as much. I like to have a lot of fun. And because I have such a limited time um, to surf, I want to just, I just want to feel that joy, that fun, that escape from my stressful life. And to me, surfing big, bigger waves is more stressful than fun. So I'd much prefer to have the smaller waves. I also like to try and do different maneuvers, walk up to the nose, do things like that. Um, that's kind of harder on, on bigger waves. That's why I was so interested um, in doing the documentary about Sarah, my film partner, Sally Lundberg, um, because I wanted to know why a woman would want to surf big waves because it was something that I just couldn't fathom ever wanting to do. So it was wonderful to get to be um, given a window into that world for five years that we filmed Sarah out of Mavericks. But I can definitely say now, I never want to surf anything over 10 feet. <laughs> Surfing has had numerous impacts in your life. I started surfing when I was 14 years old. Beach. I lived about two houses from it and I was able to walk to the beach and I think you know I planned to play team sports, volleyball, get involved in team sports and then I got hooked on surfing and basically dropped out of this kind of culture that I could have been in and had a lot of really positive impacts on my life in terms of teaching me focus and determination and really connecting me with nature and giving me a sense, a place to find a sense of peace and calm in the midst of all the normal life, day-to-day -day life things. And then, and then my mom was in a wheelchair for muscular dystrophy, so I had a lot of other challenges besides the normal teenage challenges. So surfing gave me a really amazing outlet that was productive and constructive. And it's impacted my life through the last 20 years in a lot of mostly positive ways, but some negative ways. Like for instance, I almost didn't make it to this podcast because the surf was so good, <laughs> I had to surf. So I'm a flaky surfer, and sometimes it's had wrecked havoc on personal relationships. But um, for the most part, surfing has, has basically, I mean, if I have blood in me, I've got salt water in me. So it's, it's, a, it's a huge part of my life. And um, when I think about how I'm gonna plan my day, if there aren't any waves, I'm thinking, okay, can I swim, can I paddle? How can I get in the water? And still accomplish all my responsibilities. So not a day goes by where I'm not thinking about. Well, science is involved in surfing on a lot of levels. Uh, everything from the rubber that's used to make wetsuits or Trunk, surf trunk material, or wax for surfboards, or the different kinds of cores uh, of surfboards along with the fiberglass of surfboards. There's a lot of science involved in surfing. And most surfers don't ever go very deep. They just go to a surf shop, pick up a surfboard, and maybe a wetsuit, and they're living in cold water, and head to the beach. But when you get to the beach, 
the surf is very unpredictable. It doesn't mean necessarily that you've got the right board. You could have a short board and it could, the surf could be 20 feet. Um, you could have, you know, go to the beach in a bathing suit and the water's 50 degrees. <laughs> so there is a bit of surf, of science involved that the, like the nominal surfer to the hardcore surfer is going to be involved with, and that's meteorology. And with the satellite information now uh, and the internet access that we have, we can look, project the week out and figure out where the surf's going to be good, what the swell angle is, what the wind's going to be, what's the tide, and pick, you know, from 15 different boards, pick the right one or two or three, uh, the right equipment, and head to the beach and, and be educated ahead of time. So every surfer at some point in their lives becomes a scientist, whether they want to future of surfing is going to be bleak if surfers and the general population don't begin to take a, a real conservative approach to wasting of water, abusing pesticides, and just general pollution. The surfing is very fun and there's a huge market and media to produce more surfers. People want, they, they read about the lifestyle, they start dressing like a surfer, and then all of a sudden they want to surf. So the population of surfers is increasing dramatically. But unfortunately, that means they're going to be using more polluting materials, rubber, surfboards, and there's going to be more clash, more people driving to the beach, more pollution. And if those surfers don't actually start doing something about that, they're going to get to the beach and it's going to have the beach closed. And all the reefs are going to be dead. The, the surf's going to change, and, and things are changing. So, unless people start taking responsibility for this planet and for the fun things they love to do, this the future looks bleak. The conception of surfing, the very beginning of surfing, had both men and women, and it was a very beautiful relational um, pastime that people did together. And then when surfing basically fell by the sidelines, it was prohibited. Um, and then, you know, years and years went by and surfing started up again. It was mostly, it was mostly men. And it went through this kind of low period, I would say, <laughs> I'm sure the men don't think it was low, but a low period of, of women in surfing. And I think with the emergence of women surfing, there's a softer side to it. I think that there's more grace involved in it. And I find that there's more respect on the beach and more respect in the water. And I think women have had a positive.